Well, hello, hello. Here we are, another Sunday and another nasty one. This is Twisted Wicked Crime with me, Christina. This case is a sad one, but it does have a survivor. So remember that a little good comes from this, even though some evil happens, right? So let's remember that going into this. How is everybody doing? I have some new followers on Spotify, so thank you if you're listening to my back uh, library um, when you catch up to this and you're realizing like what day it is that this came out and you realize like, oh, I followed her on this day. She's thanking me. (laughs) So thank you and thank you to all my continued supporters and everybody. I am having problems with Chrome web browser, so I'm using Mozilla, so I'm hoping that I don't have any issues tonight and yeah you know I have my beer you know can any wild guesses that's right I'm drinking the mango beer from New Belgium gotta have it and I always gotta have it for these cases because some of these are really tough to get through like this one is just it's heartbreaking it absolutely is heartbreaking and I don't think it's a very well-known case I have no idea actually maybe some of you guys have heard this it's a, it's a wild one for sure. And I hope everybody had an awesome week. I felt like it was long. I've got my fall candles going tonight. I got a fall project that I'm doing for myself. I'm doing something out of those uh, orange trick-or-treat pumpkin baskets. It's going to involve lights and flowers and all kinds of fun stuff. And I'm going to start decorating for Halloween tomorrow on the inside of my house. Not the outside, but the inside because... My mom and stepdad are going to be here next week, and I'm going to try to record next Sunday's episode before they get here on Thursday. Um, Lucky for me, I already have it written out, so yay me. But let's go ahead and dive into today's case. I don't want to ramble on too much because that's not what you're here for. You're here for the true crime, and I'm going to adjust my mic real quick in my computer because I'm like feeling jammed up for some reason. Okay, here we go. On February 17th, 2002 in Phoenix City, Alabama. It's a Sunday night and just a father and son doing the regular start of the week things and just having a normal night. The father is Forrest Boyd, who goes by Butch. So we will be calling him that from now on in this story. And his son is Brett Bauer. I think that's how you say their last name, Bauer, who was 12 years old. And as mentioned, they were just having a normal Sunday evening. Butch was helping Brett get ready for school the next day and himself getting ready for the work day and the work week. Sounds like my household. Only I'm like, "Mm, boo on you, Monday. One more day off would be amazing. We all think that, right? Brett was a good kid, but a kid who was also rambunctious. He was having a hard time settling down and getting his head right for the school tomorrow and the school week ahead. So Butch was trying to help him get set with making sure his homework was done, his lunch packed, just everything Brett needs for the day and the week ahead. Any parent out there knows that Sunday grind. Brett was a sweet kid who everyone loved. 
He even had a girlfriend, and they even shared some sweet dances at the Valentine's Day dance just a few days earlier. Brett is also a badass kid, and Butch, he's a badass dad. And this story really hurts my heart. Now, it's starting to get late on this Sunday, and it's just about 10 p.m. Brett was getting ready for bread by heading, bed sorry, by heading off to take a shower. I'm a morning shower person. I like to sleep at night and then wash all the dirty off me. I know I give my daughter baths at night. It's a kid thing, maybe. But my husband showers at night, so to each their own. I know you guys didn't really need to know that. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Butch, while Brett was off in the shower, decided to sit down at the kitchen table and start some paperwork for his business. Butch was a 55-year-old used card salesman. He owned this used car lot business. He sold cars and he also purchased them to resell. So his paperwork consisted of titles and I'm sure loans, stuff that doesn't really sound fun, but you know you have to do it. He seemed like he was extremely hardworking person, working during the day and taking care of Brett in the evenings. And when he couldn't finish up the day work, he was all set for the next day, right? Like he's working hard. It's almost 10 p.m. He's like getting it. Butch was a single dad, if you hadn't noticed by now. I call him a badass as he's getting it done. He worked hard to make sure that Brett had the life he deserved, as well as being that great mentor and person that Brett could count on. Trust me, his dad is a fighter and fights for him. We love Butch. Just know that now. He is awesome. They're just a normal family. Everything was perfect. This evening was like no other Sunday night until a knock came at the front door. Okay, pause for a quick second on this. What would you do? Would you answer the door? It's 10 p.m. That is super late. Who is coming to your house at 10 p.m. on a Sunday night? And remember, this is 2002, so there are no ring doorbells at this time. Me, it was the 90s, maybe 2002. And even now, that's a huge hell no for me. Who in the hell could possibly be visiting you at 10 p.m. that it's so important that they feel the need to knock on your door? You absolutely have no idea who's behind it, right? So I ask you this. Would you be, as obviously you know, Butch is going to answer it. Are you a Butch? Are you going to answer it? Think on that for a second while I take a beer. Sip. So... We all know what Butch does. I mean, Butch was confused. It's 10 p.m. He really wasn't, I mean, he really wasn't. He actually wasn't expecting anyone. Keep in mind, they did not live in a bad area or a troubled neighborhood. And it was really kind of unheard of for crimes happening there, if that makes sense. Of course it does. It was just kind of unheard of for crimes to happen. So I'm blonde. <laughs> okay. I'm being 100% honest, even knowing this, I would not answer it. Like, crimes are unheard of here. We live in a safe neighborhood. I still would not answer it. But I am not butch. Nowadays, if you were to answer, you would probably be on standby alert, right? Looking for the nearest weapon. Well, butch was just going to answer it blind. Butch, whatever was running through his head, if this was a good idea or not, he made his way to the door and he opened it. 
To his surprise, there was an officer standing in front of him. The officer showed Butch his badge, revealing that he was a narcotics officer. This officer informed Butch that he had a warrant out for his immediate arrest related to drug possession. Butch was stunned and taken aback. Like he opens the door at 10 p.m. to an officer saying he's under arrest for drug possession. Now remember, we love Butch. He's a good guy, I promise. Butch, not really knowing how to respond, was quickly thrown into handcuffs and being walked out to the street. Now Butch, finally being able to gather his thoughts, tried to reason with the officer. Flustered, of course, he's like, you have made a mistake or you have the wrong person. I didn't do anything. I don't have any drugs on me or in my house. I actually don't even do drugs. You have to check again. You must have made a mistake. It didn't matter what Butch was saying. The officer was not listening. I would be so frustrated. Now, to be fair, there are a lot of non-innocent people out there who cry, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. So the officer was probably hearing it. He was just being like, yeah, right, you and everybody else. Now, as Butch is being led out to the unmarked white crown Victoria, which is a standard make and model of police cars, and this one was unmarked though, and parked in Butch's driveway. Butch yells, look, I have my 12-year-old son inside. I can't leave him alone. What can we do? I can't be arrested and just leave him there. The officer places Butch in the back of the vehicle where another officer sat. The first officer went back into the house and grabbed Butch's son and walked Brett out. But they also handcuffed Brett, which is like, come on, that's very unnecessary. Brett was led over to the car and placed in the back seat with his dad. Okay, hold up. Unmarked car. Now you're bringing my kid in. Handcuffs, nonetheless. My brain would be like, I smell something suspicious. You clearly have the wrong guy, and now you're handcuffing a 12-year-old who has nothing to do with what is happening. Or do they have the right people? Together, they sat side by side, handcuffed, as the officer backed out of the driveway and headed towards the police station. And it really didn't take Butch a long time to figure out what was really going on. His first thought was mistaken identity, and he could sort it all out when they got to the station. Well, they weren't headed for the station. Butch had knots in his stomach as they headed right past the Phoenix City Police Department. He knew right away these two were not police officers. And oh my gosh, that is so terrifying. It is so scary how so many of these people, these bad serial killers and everybody, pose as police officers and lure people. We have way too many cases like that. And I really don't want to trust anybody at all anymore. That is just so terrifying. And that moment when you realize what is happening. My God, what was going through Butch's head? So instead of the police station, they were drove them to an area where a four lane highway was being constructed. It was very dark and isolated. Butch was thrown out of the car and him and his son were threatened by two men with a swinging knife. All they kept saying was, they want the money. We know you have $100,000, and we want it. 
Of course, Butch is in shock and he tries to deny any knowledge of the money. The men keep pushing and pushing. Finally, Butch gave in and told him that he has a safe at home with all the money in it. He said he would let them have it all as long as he didn't get hurt and his son didn't get hurt. These men agree and Butch tells them exactly in the house where the safe is located. They load Butch and his son back up in the car and they head to Butch's house. They go. Once they get back to Butch's house, they, he gave them access to the safe inside a bedroom closet. Now, this wasn't like a giant case at all. Safe. Did I say case or safe? I don't know. Anyway, I'm correcting myself. This wasn't a giant safe. It was like a lockbox type thing. So not huge at all. So if you're pitching like what I was when he said that he had all the money, right? Excuse me, I just burped. I hope you didn't hear that. Inside, he had a little over $47,000 in cash, which, oh, wow, that's still a lot of money to keep in your house in cash. And I'm sure Butch worked really hard for him and Brett to have that. So it's just super sad that he's just like handing it over because he's trying to protect himself and his son. Like, what else would you do? I would do the exact same thing. This angered the men as it wasn't enough. They wanted $100,000, which they knew he had. The men start searching and I'm guessing destroying the house in the process, looking for this money. Butch keeps telling them that is all he has and he doesn't have any more. The men keep on searching, but come up with no more monies. Butch was right. They did, however, find a 38 caliber Smith and Wesson revolver. These men take the $47,000, the gun, and they load Butch and his son back in the car. They ended up right back where they started at the four-lane highway being built. And it was scheduled, well, I mean, it was like secluded. It was like no one around except for like a smaller highway in the distance. They are walking Butch down a dirt road, which is to be paved, and he is just begging them, please, whatever you do, don't hurt my son. Don't hurt my son. He kept saying it and begging it. Butch must have felt so alone, unsure of what was going to happen. And he only wanted Brett safe. And this just pulls at your heartstrings big time. Butch knew they wanted money. Clearly, that is all they were after. So Butch, trying anything, said, we can go to the banks in the morning when they open and I will get you more money. If that is all you want is money, I will get all that I have. Please don't hurt my son or hurt me. These men weren't listening and weren't on purpose. Butch knew what was coming just ahead of him, he saw a shallow grave that had been dug previously that he could see. Like, fuck, $47,000 is a lot of money and in cash and that isn't enough? Well, to me it is. I would love $47,000. I don't know what's going through Butch's head or what the feeling he must have been feeling was like. And I never want to know what that feeling's like. I just said feelings a lot. I don't know why. I think I need a sip of my beer. I'm only on my second. I don't even halfway not even halfway through a second one ah, i gotta do that ah, so you know i did it but oh gosh poor brett my heart 
he was sadly drug into this, whether he was at the beginning or when they went back for the money, he was in it now. And Butch is just being led down this dirt road. One of the men suddenly pulled out the knife that they were swinging in front of them earlier, leaned into Bush, Butch and pushed it into the side of his neck. Then he slid the blade across Butch's throat, cutting it wide open. Holy shit. My God, that is awful. He did this and said, sharp, huh? Butch wasn't dying, but he had this gaping slit, bleeding and in a lot of pain. The other man, seeing him not dying, took the knife himself and slit his throat again. Oh my God, that, I have nothing, that pain, oh my God, like, oh. Butch now falls to the ground with his blood just pooling all around him. And one of the men comes up and sits on top of him and tells him to go to sleep. These guys are asshole monsters. While all this is happening, Butch now laying there dying, all he could hear was Brett screaming and crying for the men to stop hurting his dad. I just want to cry. Like, this is horrific. My stomach and my heart for this sweet kid having to witness this. His dad, the one he loves, the one who takes care of him. It's just the two of them. I'm sorry, guys. I keep burping, and I really hope you don't hear that. Like, this microphone picks up everything. It chugged my beer a little too hard right now. Excuse me. One of these assholes tells Brett... You should be more concerned about yourself and not your dad. This is going to a whole new level over money. I mean, come on, guys. You got (sighs) $47,000. Last man to cut Butch's throat spoke to the other asshole and said, I have done one. Now you have to do one. We all know what he means by that. And moments later, Butch could hear a gunshot. As one of the men took the gun they took from Butch's house and shot Brett in the head. Brett was a fighter, you guys. He did fall to the ground, but he did not give up. He did not want to die, and he did not die from the first shot. The man that shot him said aloud as Brett is gurgling, by the way, this little motherfucker doesn't want to die. What an asshole, seriously. He then proceeds to shoot Brett two more times in the head to ensure he was dead. And I'm sorry, that is heavy. Fuck these asshole monsters. They are disgusting. And that is hard to process, and I'm sorry I had to say that. Like, they just killed a 12-year-old boy. And poor Butch is hearing this. The two men pushed Brett's lifeless body into the shallow grave that they had dug. Butch is miraculously still breathing at this point. It's a true miracle. Like his throat was cut twice, like wide open. They see that he's still breathing. So one of them turns to him and slits his throat one final time. They slit his throat three motherfucking times. Then they drug his body into the grave on top of Brett. 
These men began to fill the hole with 18 inches of dirt, which is um, like a foot and a half of dirt. And then they drove away. This was almost the perfect murder. This was the perfect spot. Because just a couple of days later, that entire construction site, the road was going to be covered with asphalt, covering Butch and Brett to never be seen again, or at least for a very, very long time. They would have gotten away with it. That is what these two men had planned. Except one small little thing they missed. Butch wasn't dead. So what the hell just happened and why? How the hell did Butch the badass survive? His throat was cut three times. He's now laying on his poor son, Brett, who is gone, covered in dirt. You have to think fast. Plus, all that dirt is, like, getting into your wounds. Oh, God, that is so painful. And, like, the infection. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even want to know. Butch was holding his breath under the piles of dirt the best he could as they were throwing it on top of him. He pretended to be dead, and he's just listening to these asshole attackers. He could hear them laughing and talking before he finally heard them drive away. Once he knew they were gone, Butch began to dig himself out of that grave. And that is inhuman, almost. Like, your throat was cut three times. And even though it's just like a foot and a half of dirt, which really doesn't, it's not a lot, but it can be in a situation like this when you're running out of time and error, right? I mean, if they dug up a proper grave, he probably would have been dead for sure. I'm sure they didn't pack down that dirt either because they're fucking morons, which we love morons and idiot criminals, right? It doesn't matter. He's a badass getting himself out of there. Butch was free. And then he immediately turned to Brett and pulled him out the best he could. He started CPR and chest compressions, trying to revive Brett. Oh gosh, this rips my heart out. Brett is already gone and there's no helping him. Butch isn't ready to let go and he keeps trying. He did the chest compression and the CPR for as long as he could. He had to give up and look for help. Thankfully, and luckily, too, he was able to reach a nearby highway and flag down a car. This person is amazing. Amazing, amazing soul. They called 911. And as we know, all too often, we listen and research too much true crime, really. We know not to stop when someone is waving you down in the middle of the night, especially if you see blood. Because you don't know what is behind them. You just call 911 and you keep moving. Well, this beautiful soul stopped and called 911. That is when Russell County Sergeant Daryl Powell was the first to arrive on the scene. There was Butch holding a t-shirt up to his neck, just soaked red with his own blood. I'm telling you, this man is superhuman. Like, how was he alive? And actually, you can watch dash cam footage of this as Powell pulls up, and it's wild. Like, I Google it. It is wild wild. Can you imagine the amount of blood that he's lost? Like a shit ton. I would have been dead in that grave a long time ago. If you haven't guessed, I'm not a survivor. I kind of try, but I'm going to be that girl in every horror movie that gets killed right away. Powell over the radio says, as calling in the incident, and I quote, no bullshit. 
I have a man whose throat has been cut. His son is buried in a grave down there. This is a bad one. He is so right. This is a very bad one. How much strength do you have to have to play dead and then try to dig your, well, you didn't try, you did. You dug yourself out of a grave and then you bleeding to death from your throat, probably having a hard time breathing, I would guess. And you try to revive your son and then you go find help. You are a fucking badass of the day. The officers on scene and the first responders tried to get Butch to go to the hospital. He obviously clearly needs it, but Butch is refusing to leave. And they keep telling him, hey, your throat has been cut three times. You need medical attention and care now. Butch still refused to leave. Which you can refuse the right to go to the hospital. My husband is a medic firefighter. And he tells me all the time that the ones who really need to go to the hospital are the ones who refuse to get in the ambulance. And the ones that don't need the hospital are the ones who insist on going in the ambulance to the hospital. It's just crazy. And he tells me, and it just blows my mind, how many people who really, really need the help refuse. And that was the case with Butch. He did not want to leave his son Brett behind. He would not leave until they got to Brett to ensure that there was nothing they could do to save him. His main concern is Brett. He's bleeding and hurt and could die, but his concern is with his son. My God, that just, my heart. But you are an amazing human being. Like, honestly, I would be the same exact way if i survived that which you already know i wouldn't because i'm that first girl to die in a horror movie right my concern would be with my daughter i probably would be refusing to go sorry hubs i would even when they did go to attend to brett butch would not leave his son's side and i'm sorry this is pulling at your heartstrings in every which way because i know it's pulling mine And I actually am trying not to shed a tear like when I did when researching this case. I literally had like tears streaming down my face because any parents out there know your kid is your world. And Brett was Butch's everything. He was a single dad. And I don't know where Brett's mom was. I don't know if she was alive. I don't know anything like that. But... It's just, it pulls at your heartstrings. He keeps telling them, no, I'm not going anywhere. I need to be here with my son. Eventually, and finally, Butch did end up going to the hospital, but only because one of the officers said that he was going to die and his attackers were going to get away with this. If he wasn't alive, he wouldn't be there to help be a witness. And that is the only reason he was willing to die out there with his son, the pain he was feeling. And wow, that is powerful what the officer said, but he's not wrong. Like he is like the only like resource, like he could help catch these people. 
Before he was at the hospital, Butch was able to give a lot of information regarding these two men. He described the car they were driving. He told them that they have house keys to his house and he knows where they live and that his gun would be in their car too. And the kicker, Butch tells the officer that he knows one of the men. Okay, that is a plot twist. Did anybody see that coming? I did because I researched this case, but anybody who hasn't, did you guys like think that was coming? Like he knows one of the men. Holy shit. Police are also like, okay, so they took your money. They want more. They have your house keys. So they're probably back at the house right now. Possibly. Even now, since they think Butch is dead. They have all the time in the world to spend there and search that house for the remainder of the money that they think Butch has. Which, by the way, guys, he does not have $100,000. If you guys haven't figured that out yet. He works hard for his money, but he doesn't have $100,000. i am pretty sure that $47,000 was like his life savings. Excuse me, I sip of my beer. My mouth gets dry when I'm reading my notes. And I actually cleaned my glasses really well tonight so that I could read. So I'm hoping I'm not tripping up too much on my words because I can actually see, guys. It's amazing. So anyway, they're like, yeah, these guys are probably back at the house right now ransacking it some more. So they sent officers off to Butch's house. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to Butch's house. They go. And I hope I don't get in trouble for quoting Snow White. (laughs) Officers arrive and they waited at the house. They weren't there, but they're like, they're going to show up. Mm -hmm. We know it. So they waited. And just 30 minutes later, a white crown Victoria came pulling into the driveway. And inside walked inside the home. Oh my God. After I just said I cleaned my glasses, here I am getting tripped on my words. Inside the home was 43-year-old Bales Bondsman and bounty hunter Michael Carruth. Michael actually worked at his wife's bail bond place, but he also did bounty hunting on the side. So he bounty hunted for people who owed bail bonds. The two and two go together, right? Not that it matters what this asshole does, just stating he works in the law area. This explains the badges, the hats, the uniforms, and the car, which is also still so scary to me and fucking gross. They searched his car to find handcuffs, Butch's house keys, a narcotics officer's hat, Michael had blood on his pants and shoes. Police had no questions that this was one of their guys. Michael was alone. So where was the other fuckhead at? Michael was arrested and taken back to the police station for questioning. No shocks here. He was very cold and denied any involvement, which was being thrown his way. Of course he's going to deny. Because in Michael, he doesn't know... There's a survivor, right? He doesn't know that Butch is still alive. He thinks all the witnesses are dead and they have no evidence on him. Oh, my friend. Yes, they do. Oh, they very much do. I love when they think they've got away with it and they're just living the high life. Like, hey, I'm going to go sip some margaritas. Have a beer. I'm going to go ransack the house. I'm going to get money. I'm going to live my high life. Buy fancy houses. Get lots of hot chicas. 
whatever. No, Michael just, you're, you're wrong, dude. You're just dead wrong. But he keeps denying, denying, and denying. Officers at this point are like, okay, asshole. So they pull it out, the wild card. They tell Michael that Butch is still alive. Man, I would have been, to be a fly on that wall, I would have loved it. The look on his face when they told him. Haha, <laughs> you stupid bitch, you're caught. Officer said when they told Michael this, they could just see the blood rush out from his face, leaving him white as a ghost. Yeah, I love to see it. This also is very good, as we know there's another one still out there. This is very good, right? Butch mentioned that he knew one of the men, and Michael wasn't it. He didn't know Michael. He knows the other one, so they are on a hunt for him. The man Butch recognized was Jimmy Brooks Jr. Jimmy was the son of a repo man, which Butch would employ on occasion on his used car lot. This guy would help Butch repossess cars. Butch sold to people, but they aren't making their payments. Man, that stinks. I've been there. <laughs> I was 19 when I bought a brand new baby right off the lot. I was like, yeah, I could do this. It was a 2002. It was my, right on my senior year. Miss you, BC Lancer, and it was bright yellow, and it was gorgeous, and, pay, you know, I did, like, the no payments for a year. I was stupid. I was, like, 19, <laughs> and it was, like, fuck. I got my head. You know, it was, like, a $400 a month payment plus, like, freaking $300 in insurance, right? I have this bright-ass yellow, like, sports car thing. <laughs> oh, I got repoed. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't take long before I could make those pipe payments. It was bye-bye, pretty yellow car. I 10 out of 10 don't recommend it. I laugh now because it's been settled for a long-ass time, but <laughs> I just, I 10 out of 10 don't recommend it. So Jimmy was this man's son. Butch doesn't personally know him. He's actually never met Jimmy, but he's seen him several times around the lot and recognized him. It took police less than 12 hours to track down Jimmy. Right on. We love to see it. When police got him, Jimmy was in the process of burning all his clothes from the night before. Jimmy was brought in for questioning, and they didn't even have to push him. Jimmy right out spilled everything. He just gave it all up. He was not only able to tell police what happened, how it happened, but how it all came to be this. Why they did this in the first place. Michael, our bail bonds bounty hunter, was able to post bail for Jimmy and then used that against Jimmy, saying he owes him the money back, and if he doesn't, then he will owe Michael favors to help collect the monies back. So Jimmy was arrested and he's sitting in jail, and he thinks, yeah, this is a grand idea. I don't know this guy, but he's offering to bail me out. I'll pay him back. So Michael posts the bail on Jimmy, and he's set free like a bird now. Uh, well, until now, anyway. The end goal, really, for Michael, he wasn't trying to help these people. No, Michael is a nasty, nasty man. Michael wanted to collect enough money to build a 
hyperonic grow up. That was the end game for Michael. Don't get me wrong. I love me some weed, but this is the wrong way to go about it. Jimmy, who is now out, knows he has to pay this money back and tells Michael he knows of a guy with a lot of cash. Butch, who works with his dad at the lot. Jimmy's an idiot. He tells Michael, I've seen it. He has his business and I've seen $100,000 in cash. No, no, I don't think you did, homie. He didn't know he had a lot of cash, but that was a bull-faced lie. He's, he's never seen him with $100,000. I don't even think he's seen $100,000 in his life. He knew Butch had a lot of cash on hand for deals, but in a twist, Jimmy had another confession to make. Yeah, this keeps getting weirder. Like, I'm telling you, this case is wild. He had another hand in another murder. The double murder of... I, I'm going to say his name wrong, and I'm sorry. Oh, it hurts me when I say victims' names wrong. A, thir, a thermo... A thermo? I think that's how you say it. A thermo... Radcliffe, who was 68 years old, and his wife, Catherine, who was 62 years old. Both of them were shot and killed in their home before their house was destroyed looking for money. The two of them would flee the scene on January 30th, which was only a couple weeks earlier than the incident with Butch and his son. This was not Jimmy's first time. And there actually isn't really much on the case other than what I just told you. And I'm going to say it was a lot like Butch's and how it happened. Well, it was Jimmy and this other person that was involved in that double murder by a guy named James Edward Gary, who also owed Michael money. Yeah, he's just, Michael is just, he's working for that grow up, dude. James was also bailed out by Michael. Shocking. He had, Michael had this rob people and kill people ring going on, really. What am I trying to say? Yeah, that's really what he had going on. He's a monster. And he was very much in the same position as Jimmy. And by the direction of Michael, they were driven to the Ratcliffe's home by Michael himself, where they entered the home and killed the two, stole money, and left. I'm sure that Jimmy and this James guy feel like they have to or they will be killed themselves, honestly. Like, that's pretty much what he told them, right? He's like, you're going to do anything to get that money back for me. Michael has been planning this for a while to get these guys out of jail who were already criminals and get them to do this, and then he will have the money to start his underground grow up. The three of them had actually been making a list of people in the area who they suspected had a lot of money and who was keeping large amounts of cash in their homes. So the Ratcliffs were first, I'd, and then Butch and Brett being second and the last, thank God. I imagine if they weren't caught, they would have kept going off that list until they had enough money for this underground grow up. Like I said, I'm all for some weed. It's good, but damn, it's not murder good. And that's a solid plan. <clears throat> James was not involved in the Butch incident. He was actually back in jail at this time for something else. 
which explains why Michael stepped in on the Butch one this time around. And thanks to Butch, I mean, really terrible and sad what happened, but him surviving saved like how many others on that list? Jimmy. All this information came from him, yet Michael still denied anything having to do with it. Despite the blood on his clothes with the DNA evidence on them that belonged to Butch. Michael, dude, you're not getting away with this. You're really not. Like, stop denying. Like, the cat's out of the bag. The, bill, the, the beans were spilled. I want to take another sip of my beer. I don't know why my mouth is so dry tonight. So Michael, he was convicted of four counts of capital murder in connection to the murder of 12-year-old Brett Boyer. Bauer. Bauer. Why do I keep saying his name wrong? Oh my God, you guys. I feel so bad. He was also convicted of attempted murder, robbery in the first degree, and burglary. And I can never say that word. Burglary. <laughs> You get it. And first degree. And this was in connect to Butch Bauer. The jury all agreed, no questions, that Michael to be sentenced to death. He's a monster. The judge agreed, and in 2003, he was sentenced to death. Now, Jimmy, he admitted to the crimes, even though he did, was one well, no, he did too, actually. Now that I think about it, he had a hand in helping kill Brett. He was also sentenced to death a year later in 2004. Today in Alabama, both men are still on death row, awaiting that day when the bell rings that it's their turn. James, who was involved with the other murders, was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in the year of 2005. But y'all, he did survive. He had to go under intense surgery on his neck, but he pulled through, if you didn't already guess. Thanks to him, his son's killers were brought to justice, and how many other lives were saved. Butch is our hero. And with all that has to be so tough to go through, that losing your son, playing dead, and laying on top of him and not wanting to leave his side, him being alive is a miracle. Butch's neck was cut from ear to ear. How did they not cut an artery? That is just amazing. And I actually, that list that I talked about was never released. So I don't know how many people was on there, but God, let's say there's 15 of them on there after Butch because they went down the list, right? So they started with the Ratcliffs and then Butch and they were going to go down the list. He could have saved like 15 or more lives. Butch, you are amazing. And he's doing really well today. He really is. Um, I think he's, you know, it's been a while. He's, he's up there in age, but he moved on with his life. And that is tough when these victims survive getting past this mentally, physically, the whole ordeal. And the families who lose these loved ones get past it. I don't think they ever really do, but they are fighters and they are strong. And that is a wild case, guys. And I don't think it's very well known. So 
I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, I had to do my, I mean, as much as you enjoy a true crime case, like you don't really enjoy hearing about murder, but you like getting and hearing these cases to get the awareness out there. And it just fascinates me how there are people in this world who do these things. I will never, ever, ever understand the human brain. I will never understand it. But then there are good people like myself and you. And I appreciate you all. I love you all. I'm excited to decorate for Halloween tomorrow on the inside. I might even make some cookies tomorrow. I don't know. I have all these ideas in my head. I've got to finish painting my plastic pumpkins. But I'm like, what's the word? Crazy? That's a good word. I'm tired. I worked all week. I'm fucking tired. And I'm like sitting here. It's 930 at night. Having some beer. I'm going to go watch some shows after. And I'm sitting here like, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do this tomorrow. And then I'm going to do this tomorrow. And we're going to go to the dollar store. And I'm going to try to find some like last minute dollar Halloween decorations. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Probably none of it's going to get done. Let's be real. But I'm going to link all my socials down below. You know I have Insta. You know I have Gmail. I did mention my Facebook. I've been bad about doing that because I'm trying to get these episodes out weekly and keep my Instagram updated because that seems to be where people look more than um, other places. Um, Give me a follow on there. I know I have a lot of views um, on there, but not a lot of follows. So people are looking at it, but they're not following me. So give me a follow. Also give me a follow on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Give me a five-star rating because that helps get my podcast out there because it's just me, guys. I'm not technical. I'm not whatever you call it. I do not promote myself other than just hoping people find me. Word of mouth or just happen to accidentally come across my podcast. I don't I don't promote myself. So giving me a five-star rating would be amazing and I would love it. And if you don't, if you don't follow me, you don't give me a five-star rating and you're just listening to me every week, that's enough support for me and I appreciate it. So next week, like I said, my mom will be here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I usually record on Friday nights. Um, I don't know how long I will be with her on Friday. So I'll try to record on Wednesday uh, to get the episode out to you guys. And it's just a gruesome one. I mean, all of them really are, but it's a bad one. It's really sad what happens. And with that said, I hope everybody stays happy, stays healthy. You make good choices. You don't be this asshole Michael. No, you don't murder people. Mm -mm, No. And most importantly, you stay alive. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.